Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. to Flame On. I am Brian, and I have assembled today a cast of characters who you know and love to discuss the show Daredevil. As things fall apart in our house. <laughs> Ghosts are acting up. <laughs> the, the, house, the house does not like Daredevil, no, apparently. No, the house does not. Well, we've subjected it to a lot of it recently in the last day or two. But uh, I have my brother Jeff here going around the corner. Hello. How is everyone doing today? We have Eric... Howdy. And we have Pat. Hey, what's going on? And uh, we're pretty much everybody who uh, watched it now. It's not true. Oral would have been here, but he had a last-minute cancellation, so we wish him well. Uh, and the rest of our peoples uh, may or may not have watched it yet. So we've watched it, all 13 episodes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some in the last 24 to 48 hours. Mine's about a week out, yeah. maybe a little over a week, maybe like two weeks. So I still remember it. But it's not as fresh for me. Well, Pat and I mainlined about seven or no, six episodes. Well, you, yeah, I think I've done in the last two days. I started Friday afternoon and watched the first six and a half. I literally got to like halfway through the season, six and a half episodes in on Friday, and then we did the other uh, six and a half on Saturday. And I binged it the weekend it came out. Oh wow! So. Yeah, that's kind of what I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, we're here to talk about it, and of course, there will be spoilers, so if you have not seen all 13 hours yet, you should probably stop and come back once you're done, and you can appreciate, certainly, some of the things we're going to talk about. But, we should start off with the fact that this is Marvel's first direct-to-Netflix show. They're doing at least four or five others. Four. They're doing Daredevil, Jessica Jones... Uh, Luke, Cage. Luke Cage and Iron, Iron Fist, Fist right. and then they're going to do a conglomerated Defenders show once all four of those have run. Right. 
So this is a long-term plan. It is. What I found interesting, and, and it, it shouldn't surprise me, is just because they're doing each one of those doesn't mean they can't do multiple seasons of each one. Well, that's what confused me, too. Because at the end of this show, you wonder, okay, so am I going to get a season two? And But it's just like with House of Cards, where they don't give the go-ahead from on Netflix side until they see how it played. And well, it, it, this it, only it, took about two weeks, because yeah. they've confirmed a season two with a new showrunner, so... We're going to get a season two of Daredevil. Made me very sad that Stephen DeKnight is leaving. What else has he done? I didn't look he him up. He and... started on, he was a, a producer on Buffy way back when. Okay. That's where he got his big break. So he is a Whedonite. Yes, he is, he is from the Whedon clan. As is Drew Goddard, who, that was the thing that confused me. Is Drew Goddard, uh, most notable for being from Buffy and all that, but also uh, Cabin in the Woods. He was the director of Cabin in the Woods. And, and wrote, co-wrote it with Joss Whedon. Yeah. Um, he wasn't the showrunner, but he was the main writer. And most of the time, the showrunners that I've been familiar with are also the main writers. They yeah. did the same job. So I guess the knight is more like a producer, director type, creator than than Drew, who's like the main writer. Yeah. The the big thing that Stephen DeKnight's known for recently before this was Spartacus. He was the main okay. showrunner slash writer of Spartacus. That's right. I think I did see that. The other thing I found interesting is watching the credits, Christos and, uh, and I forgot his wife's name, uh, Gage are oh, both yeah, yeah. staff writers. Yeah. So, it's... uh, some interesting people, very sort of a, not that it, you know, Agents of Shield, I mean, Whedon was involved in his brother and his brother's wife. They're all involved. But like this show has sort of that same pedigree of people who used to work on Buffy. The, the, the Whedon, uh, Assimilation has, yeah. has proliferation all throughout the Marvel works. That being said, I don't think the show could really be compared in any way, shape, or form to anything like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in that other than they're both Marvel Cinematic Universe or now Marvel Universe, whatever, tone-wise, you know, night and day. Yeah, I think there are dark elements to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but... Not this dark. No, 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 no. A lot of blood. A lot of, a lot of bone-breaking and stuff. Well, in fact, Pat actually reacted very strongly, I think, when he first started watching it, and as did Adam McCurcher, uh, who was also potentially going to be on this, both said it was too, too, too much almost, right? Well, I knew before going in, I listened to the Pop Culture Happy Hour um, talk about, it was their, one of their last episodes, not the most recent one, the one before that, they did a segment on Daredevil, so I knew what to go into and look for, but yeah, I mean, it, it is a lot bloodier, and it's a lot more... Um, Visceral? Yeah. Yeah. I think the one thing that, the only thing that really got me was the spike. Oh. That was the only part where I was just kind of like. <laughs> so basically, okay, yeah. Guy basically puts his head through a spike after Daredevil interrogates him and gets him to give up the name Wilson Fisk. And then the guy's like, he, Daredevil's like, you know, you got, you got to, you, you can't stay in the city. You got to get out. Uh, if you, if I find you again, da, da, da. he's like, you don't get it. I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about Fisk and then proceeds to kill himself. With a it's like spike. he's gonna kill me. He's gonna kill my family. He's gonna kill everyone yeah. I ever liked or even get, rode the bus with. So I'm just gonna kill myself and call it a day. So the whole show is very more in line with a Sopranos or a, a cable TV type show. Yeah. What I did find interesting, I actually listened to the iFanboy um, a recap of Daredevil on my way here, um, and and something they pointed out, which I didn't think about, is the tone and the the sort of not format, but the um, pacing of this show is very different than even television, normal television. It's much more of a slow burn. Yeah, or or like an HBO, I guess if you're going to get as close as you're going to get to like an HBO Showtime show, shots and scenes can last a lot longer because there are no commercial breaks. Uh, episodes can be a lot less uh, involved and less action-packed 
to give you that space between the things that are more action packed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was interesting, um, as a comparison. So it is kind of its own medium, even though it is very much like I said, Showtime or HBO. Now, uh, what did we think of the casting? I, I know Charlie Cox has been in some other work. I have not seen him. Uh, oh, he was, was he in Stardust? Yes, he was. I, was. I need to go back and watch Stardust again because I don't remember him at all from that. But I mean, he was very Matt Murdocky. He was. He, 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 he was Matt Murdock, written by the Brubakers and the Frank Millers, and the. In fact, and uh, yeah. what was the last one? Oh, Diggle, Andy Diggle. Um, or yeah, not, was that Diggle? Yeah, Diggle had a shot at him as yeah, well. Right before, like during Shadowland Shadow stuff. Yeah. yeah, definitely not the Mark Wade Daredevil that you're seeing right now in comics, which is a lot more carefree. And you know, in fact, I read uh, Jeff Loeb's, who's you know, head of Marvel TV. I read Daredevil Yellow recently, mm-hmm. and that is even a more playful ladies' man. Show off Daredevil, less broody, dark. I am the night Batman. I mean, you know, Daredevil. Um, so, you know, did we like uh, Charlie Cox as a, as a Daredevil? Do we think overall he was good? I like Charlie Cox. Uh oh. <laughs> well, I mean, I also listen to the pop culture happy hour segment for Daredevil. And all I can say is I find it very intriguing that the person that you get the most of a story and the clearest identification with throughout the whole run is Wilson Fisk. Right. You get the most empathy for somebody you shouldn't really be that empathetic to for the bad guy. Sure. Daredevil, Charlie Cox plays him very much kind of one or two note. Like he's either Matt Murdock and kind of self-effacing and, oh, I'm just a blind lawyer and we should do what's right, or he's Daredevil and he doesn't really have a Batman voice, but he's kind of got a Batman voice. He's going for a Batman voice. Yeah. He and Fisk both had that gravelly, I am the law. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, he was a bit in the performance being maybe, that's the thing, like you see a show like this, you wonder, okay, were they instructed to act that way or is that their own take and... Nobody corrected it. In a show where it's this much of an ensemble thing, you got to think there's a little bit more control from the producer or from the showrunner to say, this is the level I need you at. Yeah. Because you I, can see in Stardust, he's done more playful. Oh, and more, absolutely. No, I think it is a creative choice by the people who made this show more than an acting choice. But I do think the Wilson Fisk casting of uh, D'Onofrio, which surprised me when they announced it. I was like, I don't see that at all. But when you saw the first couple pictures come out of him beefed up, Going for the hot bear daddy sort of bald, uh, whatever. It, it reminded me of the Steve Dillon, uh, kingpin from the Punisher Max that Jason Aaron did. Okay. Same. He wasn't overly giant, like ridiculously cartoony big right. from the Marvel 616 stuff. He's a lot more normal size, just big, tall, kind of fat. Still very, uh, formidable as a physical opponent. So he's not just this kingpin mobster character, which is basically what kingpin is in the comics. Yeah. But he can beat you down. In fact, and, does. And this was the first incarnation of Kingpin that I cared about in any way, oh my God. shape, or form. You didn't like uh, Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin in Daredevil? I, I was promised that we wouldn't bring the movie, movie one. Up. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. It, I'm it, sorry. It's it's like any of the early Marvel movies. You just kind of have to go. Well, they tried. Just um, happy to have a Marvel comic book movie out in the theaters. I mean, D'Onofrio's performance to me. And the material for him, certainly, but also performance, you do care about him. And I think you have to care about him more than Daredevil because he falls so much further as, you know, into his who we know him to be. You know, when he has his little Samaritan speech in the very last episode and you realize that he's basically realizing now, finally, after he's allowed himself to realize he's the villain. 
And he comes right. clean. He's like, I realize. I'm like, I mean, not saying it this way, but I'm the the evil intent. Yeah, I believe the, the words were for all the show. He's this, you know, he's lover of art. He, he really loves Vanessa, this girl he starts to date, and eventually, I guess, proposes to marry. Well, not doesn't marry, but you know, uh, gives a nice big ring to. You know, he he, and he has a mission that's very clearly articulated. He wants to make the city gentrified. I mean, that's what's hilarious right. to me is this whole show is about gentrification of a city, which is a very real thing happening in a lot of big cities right now. And that's the whole crime. It's all the underpinnings of the back deals, the bribes, the stabbings, the, all of that to gentrify Hell's Kitchen. Like, that's to me, like, as street level as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why it seems true to the Daredevil material. Because Daredevil has never been, well, I say never, he has rarely been a fighting big, flying, you know, space, any anything more than... He stays in his wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Even the Mark Mark, Mark uh, Wade stuff. But, I mean, I love D'Onofrio, so, you know, I wasn't surprised that I liked his performance, but I was surprised how much they gave him to be sympathetic. Yeah. That being said, uh, were there any surprise twists that people saw in the story that you didn't expect that you were not either pleasantly or unpleasantly surprised uh no there wasn't really much that i was expecting so honestly when it all played out it kind of was just it it was a story for me agents of shield the marvel phase one and phase two movies have done a good job in making me care about people and characters that i didn't really read aside from like avx and you know crossovers that involve the x-men this time around it was a it was a decent show. I just didn't really care much about Daredevil by the end of it. What about Foggy? You cared about Foggy though. Nope. No, could care less about Foggy. Aww, Honestly, I, thought... I really didn't even like Foggy by the end. Because, I didn't like him at first, but uh, be, well, he went on this path of seeming like he was um, warming up to was it Karen? Karen, yeah, yeah. And it seemed like they had a you know like their a their connection. path was going through, and they were having a connection, and they were going to one point, and then he starts sleeping with his ex. The bitch of the whole thing, like it's it. It just made me feel like his character took a complete step backwards. Although, yes, she helped them and she put herself in danger. Yada yada yada, whatever. But they don't. You can tell me that, but if you don't show me that, I don't care. I don't know. Yeah. So the scenes that they had, you know, the morning after and stuff like that, it, it really didn't matter. The only person I actually really cared about during the entire show was um, the big oaf that makes the suits. Oh yeah, I felt really bad yeah. for him. He was the only one I cared about. Melvin, be- I think it was Melvin. Was it Melvin? Yeah, the the guy's kind of oh, special needs, and he's yeah, got a yeah. yeah Melvin. Sure, all right. His Whatever. girlfriend. I think, it is, uh, I think it was Melvin. I don't, is that a character from the comics? I don't remember. No, I don't think okay, so. Okay, because I was sure if there was a reference I didn't get. There's a whole bunch of different bad guys that they all go to for their tech, but there's not like the one go to guy who specializes in combat suits, suit making. <laughs> yeah, no. special, uh, you know, high density impact absorbent. Business suits. He's the Tim Gunn of Daredevil. Yeah. He was the only one that actually, that, and it was a, it was a short scene, but that actually was done in such a way that, that I was like, oh, all right. And I think more of the fact that they set it up, you know, when they, they first kind of introduce him, he's like, you know, he's, he's, you think not he's happy. a thug. Well, he's, well, um, Fisk goes, says something, he, or some, or no, it wasn't Fisk, it was Leland, I think, that said, he's not, he's not half right or whatever, or he's, he's not, not half good or whatever he said. And it's like, you know, well, the half that is, is, you know, really, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so you're already put into this position where you know that he's not quite all there. 
And then once, when, you know, he and Daredevil have that whole thing and his whole thing, his whole reason for even fighting her or doing what he's doing is because he's trying to protect somebody. And the fact that the way the, the character is portrayed, it's like, okay, well, he may be special needs or he may be a little slow or whatever the case is, but he's doing it because he has, there's a pure intention there. And that was the only, he was the only one that had a pure intention. Everybody else had some other, like, you know, shicey thing to it. What ben, about Ben uh, Yurick? Ben Yurick yeah. didn't have a shiesty thing. He wanted to make yeah, sure his wife fine. was taken care of. I mean, for the six minutes a day she's awake. Here's, oh. I'm glad she was stayed awake through the funeral. Oh, oh sorry. What did it, was I the only one that noticed that? At the <laughs> yeah, beginning? she had her clarity yeah, moment. She stayed lucid for a while during the funeral. Right. <laughs> the only time they mentioned it, like the, the nurse is like, she was awake for like six minutes today. Good for her. And then <laughs> when she's in the wheelchair, I'm like, well, that must have been a quick ass ceremony. They just keep on poking ben, at her. Ben Yurick is a character from the comics that appears throughout like the last 20 years and however long he's been around he's played bigger and bigger roles in different events and i thought they really did a great job of nailing his characterization i was just sad that killed him off yeah but i mean you had to do something because i forgot if i read this or heard this but basically at that point in the story arc you're sort of sympathizing with fisk a lot especially the fact that it's his mom that go after and there's all this stuff so you, you you can't just let him give Ben a pass. Well, and nobody on the the team Daredevil, you could say, had taken a loss. There wasn't any kind of right. They had you know gotten setbacks or like the old lady they were trying to help had been killed. Yeah, but he was the Coulson of the series, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the one that put them to the point where they were like, okay, this has to be done. Yeah, and and you, I thought so. So Project Tahiti is going to resurrect Ben Yurik? <laughs> yeah. Oh. And he's going to show back up working for the Daily Planet or Daily Bugle with his memory wiped. And he's like, oh, how was your vacation in Tahiti? Oh, it was lovely. Uh, blue alien blood. I thought they were going to kill Karen. And I actually, they talk about moments that shocked me. That Karen shot uh, Wesley, that shocked me. I was like, oh, my God, that's not how I thought this was going to play out. I didn't know that he was going to kill her. Or, or, you know, I didn't know what to happen. going to hire her. Yeah, that was shocking, too. But then he just summarily basically got killed. I'm like, wow. And I really like that character. Um, he's not a big player in the comics at all. I think he's in, like, one issue or maybe a couple. But Wesley, as a character, like, you never really got much of his backstory. You never really understood where he comes from, why. Or why he, he was Fisk were yeah. so entwined. At one point, I thought he was in cahoots with Leland or somebody else to sort of manipulate mm-hmm. the Kingpin's rise. And the fact that they just summarily got rid of him, I'm like, oh, well, all right. Same with uh, the owl. They just... Yeah. I think he, although... Uh, he has my, a my, son. Yeah, my friend kept pointing that out. He's like, oh, you know, they keep referencing his son. Yeah. Whose like, name I think was also Leland or something else. I mean, it's at least an Owlsley. I'm, yeah, I mean, basically, if you don't know the Owl, he's a big Daredevil villain as well, and he's of course more caricatured as like he's like a not a mutant, but he's uh he's got his he's got little claws he yeah, wears. He's to, more of an owl, depending on his character. He's like the Marvel equivalent of the Penguin. Yeah, he's yeah. short, stocky, and he's a mobster. Yeah. Yeah. So beyond um, that, mm. now Gao, the the sort of heroin dealing Chinese, uh, whatever, you know, her exit is interesting because it ties into potentially the ongoing sort of underground story of Kunlun from Iron Fist. Let me talk about what was it the the thing that Stick came to fight or kill? The coming War. What was that little kid? The Black Sky. Black Sky. You know, you look at it and go, oh, it's a little kid, and it's some big deal that they have to take out. So, and they talk about some kind of, when the door is open and the, you know, the book is whatever. It's like, okay, so there's a, there's an undercurrent, at least from a certain part of it, that there's a mystic element to this that they'll probably play into later. 
Oh yeah, they've got to be able to connect them, even if it's just a small thing or or bits and pieces here and there. Because um, we're not going to get Iron Fist for probably what another year or so. Year or two, Jessica yeah. Jones is the next yeah, up, aka Jessica Jones is their next one. But they've got to connect them because they've got to eventually all put put all four of them together into one series, right? So doing those little bits and pieces really is kind of their way of doing the groundwork now, which they kind of need to. I was trying to find out who played Stick because I saw him in the uh, Leftovers as the Crazy Dad. He's also in the right stuff. Okay, I mean, he's been in a few things. and I'm pretty sure he was in Silence of the Lambs, too. I mean, oh, yes, he was. He played Jack. Crawford? Crawford. Yeah. yeah, okay, okay, that's where that's where it comes from. I thought it was David Carradine. Oh, he could have. That's basically <laughs> David Carradine's, like, if he was still alive, that was, was his role. He, he's he dead. Un- he unhung himself <laughs> and untied um, his balls and uh, oh. and then worked yeah, on Daredevil. First you go after Ben Yurk and now David Carradine. What did they do to you? <laughs> what did they do to you? But um, certainly there's the the mystical elements popping. Now, what do you think? I, I thought it was interesting they kept him in his sort of uh, early costume, which is funny because his early, early costume is actually a yellow outfit that he makes from his father's uh, yellow um, uh, boxing, outfit. boxing outfit. This one they decided to just kind of go with a black sort of generic sort of not quite ninja, but sort of... Street clothes. It had lovely red piping. In it, it did. It did. And I was, it so it was like piping. an inside out shirt, basically, yes. is what it looked like. And you know, he had his just extra fluffy knit cap that just went over his, his, his eyes and, and then came up and kind of pushed his nose down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So he had like that weird thing. I mean, I was surprised they kept him in it the whole, basically the whole time up until the last episode. Well, can I tell you what amazed me it was the fact that he had so many of them. Oh, he yeah. mass produced them damn outfits. Well, he buys them at Walmart. I mean, they're well, just... foggy ass. And they're like, "Where do you get something like this?" And he's like, it's "Well, you know, it's online. online. <laughs> Bulk buy, like you do. Yeah, <laughs> bulk purchase from one of those warehouse sites, Amazon.com. They had a clearance shirts. on black long sleeves with red piping, so I figured, <laughs> well, buy them all. Got to buy a lot. You don't know you're going to get stabbed. You're going to get a tear. Look at the material. This can't get sewn back. Did you like his final Daredevil outfit? No. I was a little torn. I'm like, I didn't like I it. I understand what you're doing, and I, I don't. It's not awful, but especially the way it f- makes his face, and he, he like pouted his lips. Up. It was just weird. Is he doing duck face? A little bit of duck, duck face. face, or you know how the thing is now? You get the suction going on your lips, so they puff out the a Kylie bit. Jenner lips. Yeah, a little right. bit like that. I was like, oh, what's going on with this? But I mean, it's it's a functional Daredevil. You can't just do red tights. You know You've got to do something more. Daredevil had a '90s costume where he made like an armor variant, yeah. and it reminded me of that it a lot. Very much. I saw the picture of that, and I was like, yep, that's kind of what because it had for. the same color scheme too—red with like gray paneling and you know accents. Yeah. And that, I think that was a little little. Grayer and bluer, at least the way. Yeah, it was. that was a that was a red and gray armored one in the late nineties. Well, it depends on which issue you were looking at. I was reading the CBR, um, like gone and should be forgotten type of thing, and they were talking about that outfit and his multiple personalities and how one of his personalities mm-hmm. tore up the outfit after two years. The only thing I thought I thought was funny is that when he gets the outfit and the guy's like, "All right, I couldn't finish it all, but the black parts are 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 super resilient. The red parts should take a knife." Depending on the angle. And then you see the outfit. I'm like, well, that's a whole lot of red. Mm-hmm. That's a whole shit ton <laughs> well, of red there for him. And what's also interesting is usually in, in film language, that means something later. 
in this case, that didn't matter. Not really a big payoff. Yeah, so that was surprising because usually those are the details you don't just leave in. But it's TV or it's Netflix. So you got more time. Season two. We'll see. Well, and maybe. You'll get stabbed through that, through the, uh, through the red and you'll be like, God damn it. I also thought it was interesting that the hand never showed up, although Nobu is as close as I think you're going to get. I mean, that was a full on hand costume. It really yeah. was. And I, but I thought they would make at least, they talked about his clan. You know, they like, they like guarded references, just like with, even with Fisk, they don't even mention him by name until what, episode two or three? Again, though, you got season two coming. Why cloud the water? Why, why put more in there than you need? No, and that's fine. It's just, it, it just seemed, because then with the stick episode, they do show the guy who I forgot is, I think his name's Stone. He's like another of the existing characters. Anyway, they didn't make it clear. Hmm. Um, and a nice little, thing with stick is like oh he's leaving oh you can have the sticks like oh thanks you gave me two wooden sticks guess i'll turn these into my billy clubs well i, I could have gotten these at home depot I will, <laughs> I will admit and i didn't do it this time but unlike like when mockingbird uh revealed her sticks in mm-hmm. the, yeah <laughs> i didn't do it he looked at me and did it though, just as a, mm. as a. But I mean, I had that moment of okay, fucking finally, Daredevil's got his damn sticks. And although, how many scenes could you have of him screwing it together quickly or magnetic or whatever? Like they kept showing that. I'm like, okay, I get it. You don't have to keep showing this. We do because they're badass. They're badass. They I feel have magnets. Like, I feel like an actual, you know, the last few episodes of the series did not do as well for me. I liked it overall, certainly, and I like certain moments, but. I actually felt like I was either burning out or just going, you know. How much were you binge watching? We did a lot. In the, and that might be a factor. I mean, it was like seven episodes or six episodes or something. See, that's the biggest problem that I have with a lot of these Netflix shows is they they still haven't found the groove for... Because I've heard this complaint about the new Game of Thrones. There was a controversy when the show started for season five where they released, they leaked the first four episodes of the season. And there's been people online that have watched all four in one sitting. And said, I could not tell you what when one episode ended and the next episode began because they all just bled together. Some shows, pacing wise, are not written to be binge watched. But I think but Nef- I think Netflix shows are. I don't think people know how to do like showrunners know how to write a show that can be binge watched. I don't. I don't know. It depends. I think it's more of the genre because if you look at Daredevil and you look at Game of Thrones, you can fit them into the same type of of feel. So yes, when you've got that much. Um, that much darkness, that much gore, that much brutality, it does tend to kind of weigh you down, which is probably why I fell asleep a couple times during the six and a well, half episodes. And you fall asleep per time. Especially in a dark room. Shut it, I hate you. You would never pass the Blade Runner test. God, no. Eric would neither. I know that. Actually, we tried, I think, didn't you? I think we've tried twice, and I've still never seen Harrison Ford in Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> he, looks, he sees the Asian woman on the big screen in the, the city like, oh, good <laughs> He he's tried to get me to watch what Farscape like two or three times. It's the same exact. Some things just don't age well. No, no, mm. it's not because of that. Farscape's because he's it's later at night. Also, mm. doesn't age well. I went back and tried watching it again. It's it is some silly shit. Well, of course, this it's is some silly, silly shit. shit. Yeah, Muppets in space. Anyway, that's not the back, point of the podcast. Yeah, back to the, back to Daredevil. Um, but if you look at something like Orange Is the New Black, I watched that entire season in the course of two days. Pretty much the same exact thing because I. I can have it on and and work at the same time, which is what I was doing with Daredevil. They half hour long shows though. No, they're yeah, hour it's long. A full hour. Yeah, another hour long. Uh, so Orange is New Black. I'm the only person that can say this. It didn't hook me. It, it has its moments. It really does. It depends on what I found with that show that the subplots are much more interesting than the main plot. 
So each episode kind of gets me at a different point where depending on what character it's being, is being explained and mm. fleshed out. Um, but I think it's the fact that, you know, I, I, I knew where the episode started and ended with this, but I think it was just the fact that it was so much one note, one note and so much brutality that it kind of was just kind of like my brain was going, all right, well, maybe go watch an episode of How I Met Your Mother in the middle of this, which I did. And I think when we started up again, it was kind of a little bit easier. It's like a palate cleanser. Yeah, yeah exactly. A little sherbet in the middle of uh, you know two or three episodes. But even still beyond all that, which I do see as a factor, I just felt like I really, really enjoyed a good three-fourths of the series. And the way everything sort of resolved, I was like, I see what's, I see why it's doing it this way. I mean, it's very one long origin story, right? But I just, I don't know. I felt like the ending was a little underwhelming. Yeah, a little bit. But uh, music, I love the opening. I love a lot of the incidental music throughout the whole thing. Uh, John uh, Paisan or something like that. It literally his name is like an Italian sort of slur. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Hmm. John Please. DiLiberto? No, not, no, I would know John DiLiberto. Oh, Ooh. that goes. Uh, I, it's like John Paisano or something, but I really enjoyed his, uh, his music for, it. I thought I actually wanted the soundtrack and then I go online. Of course, all they got is the movie soundtrack. Um, with Evanescence? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, How to know your movie is from the early 2000s. <laughs> Evanescence. They only did one major song for one movie. (laughs) I did like Karen, like I said, from True Blood. um, Deborah Ann Wall. Deborah Ann Wall. I couldn't see her without thinking of True Blood. Oh, I know. I know. But I mean, over time, like, I like her a lot more in this than I did ever in True Blood, because in True Blood, she's annoying. Just, Bill, or, you know, whatever. That was Sookie. Nah, you're right. Shoot. What, what, What her boyfriend? Holt. Hoyt. 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 <laughs> yeah, just, just, uh Oh, I got so tired of that shit. How show. could you forget Hoyt? I know, I really, right? Um, Vanessa. How do, how do we start talking about Rogue here in the middle of this, this conversation? <laughs> Vanessa was amazing. I really like her as Kingpin's sort of, you know, either, you know, the best of, of, uh, Wilson Fisk or also maybe the, the reason he even becomes a evil, evil person because she, she drives she, him. She drives him to make those decisions and. Which is just, Achieve all that he can and basically seize as much power as possible. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious to see if the second season, if they do a, I mean, they're going to continue the story, of course, but the, um, you know, are they going to, are they going to have him still play a big role? Is she going to be doing something from wherever the hell, hell she is? It's just, it's interesting to see how that plays out. I also will say, and I, I mentioned this last night when we were watching it, that they had one of those Nelson and Murdoch no more moments. When, yeah. when the, the freaking sign is in the trash or foggy or mad or somebody's got a box full of their stuff. I'm like, come on. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That I think was the weaker points of the overall story. <laughs> but it was just like, it's like in every Daredevil story I remember vividly with foggy. There's always that moment when it's just, ugh. Now in the comics, did foggy find out that I early? Depending that, on what read you, what you read. Yeah. In the current one. It's it's a joke. Everybody knows. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, everybody. I mean, Daredevil, in fact, most recently is even, like, public about it. Like, he has an outfit that's not his red whatever, but it's not just his normal street clothes. It's like a red suit and vest and everything. But when Foggy found out, that that does, I think, also vary slightly with the telling. Yeah. Um, But Foggy's been in on it for, you know, a long time, so they don't have those moments as much as... 
he just can't take it anymore. There's just too much nonsense and or whatever, and they're always breaking up, getting back together, basically. Those uh, crazy kids. But I did like the guy who played Foggy, uh, Eldon Henson. Mm-hmm. Again, I didn't like at first the picture. I'm like, that's not Foggy. That's no, no with the long hair. No, no. But he he definitely had that personality of kind of the sad sack, but not really a sad sack. But apparently, at least a kind of ladies' man. Oh my god! I was <laughs> I actually was shocked because the guy the, the chick whatever her name was calling him Fozzy or Foggy Bear, and I'm just like. That must just be a no. They, I didn't. I didn't make the connection that that was his ex mm-hmm. at first, and uh, and then later I was like, "Whoa, all right." Now the the, the one sequence that I, stood I out, it. I don't know, from this show was probably the the second episode where the what was it, like a five minute long fight sequence, single oh, shot. People kept calling shot, it the old boy because the, the old, old boy, the the Korean, Korean, oh, yeah, Korean, uh, had that sequence with like a long hallway of just going through and. Him kicking everybody's ass. It's like if Birdman had any action in it. Like that. Birdman had any action, it'd been even more confusing than it was. That's true. But yeah, that long, long shot where you're just going back and forth. And a lot of the stuff you don't see, right. you just hear, which is great. Helps for, for choreography. Uh, it helps for uh, <laughs> for budget. It helps for... It's kind of like when the cop at the end is like, you know, he's afraid he's going to get shot and he's going to close his eyes and you hear all the stuff. It's like, that's a great way to save money on a show. You just... Make it all fully work and call it a day. Uh, but it works and it's effective and your mind fills in the gaps, which is, you know, the thing about comic books is your mind fills in all the gaps in between the panels. So, yeah, I just um, want to know why he felt the need to when he could have just done a regular kick, like have to flip in the air yes. and downward kick somebody in the yes. top of the head. I have the same complaint about Roy and Arrow. Really? When mm-hmm. they, when he first de- debuted as the Red Arrow, not Arsenal yet, but every time he'd run anywhere, he'd have to do a flip off of something. Uh-huh. Even if he was running up to somebody and there's nothing to flip off of, he'd just do a flip. Well, it's like when he pers- first put on the costume, I think, and he, he's going off to run after Kingpin and he does like something and he flips and, and then in that cop scene, the same thing, he's doing like these flips and stuff. I'm like, you don't need to do that. Oh, so. when he, when he was doing parkour off of the top of every building in the city, chasing well, down, oh, the, the, uh, the, the, the truck, the, the blind, uh, the, the blind. Yeah, he did the Asian. really upset, kind of ridiculous parkour thing with, with just his suit on, which I'm like, really? You're just going to do that and people aren't going to go, Hey, look. Um, guy in a suit. I mean, the parkour thing I can sort of go with. I mean, I, I, you're, you are more familiar with New York City. I don't see that being a reasonable thing, especially in some of the areas they were in. I'm like, really? He was Dude. doing it on the rooftops. Yeah. What is that ever a good idea? Well, no, it's not, but it's just like, okay, that I get, but he's got superpowers. When you like twist, like he was sometimes he'd like do like a, a horizontal twist thing. And it's like, what? you just imagine there were three judges sitting back there with little flashcards. Yes. Ah, <laughs> an eight. I wanted to eight. have a little ribbon so we could do some floor, floor exercises mm-hmm. while, uh, while doing it. So those moments you just kind of have to go, okay, whatever. That's somebody's fight choreography thought that was a better thing, but. They also didn't visualize his superpower as much as I thought they would, like the old movie and like the comics where you have the, the sort of echolocation sort of look. They did a you, different thing. They did do, it. You, do you prefer it as the world on fire or it doesn't in matter. the movie, wasn't it like rain? Yeah. Yeah, in the movie, and actually I, that's one thing from the Daredevil movie I really did like is the way they visualized that kind of sonar-like thing mm-hmm. that he has, whereas this was more like you said, world on fire. It was like, oh, okay, whatever. But the fact that they didn't remind the audience a lot the editor or the director it was the night i think he's like yeah we realized that after putting that we had they budgeted for more of those shots there's at least two or three more scenes where it was supposed to happen 
but it was his panel at C2E2. That oh, he, is that where that it's he, from? Yeah, he okay. talked about it. Um, after watching it, they felt like it took you out of the world because it's supposed to be this crime drama and all that. And by showing you what he sees after they went back and watched it, they felt it took you too much out of what was going on at that moment in time. So they felt it just played better. So they showed it once, which I must have been asleep for. Um, yeah, they did show it once. They showed it the one time. Somebody was talking to Rosario Dawson, I think. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they did, they were intending to do it when he, they, they would zoom in on Karen at the last, you know, when she's basically, there's a chance for her to come clean about killing, uh, Wesley. Mm-hmm. And they zoom in on her and you're like, this is weird. What are they doing? And then they don't do it. But, uh, um, that was another place they had planned to do it. What did you think of, uh, Night Nurse or Rosario Dawson's sort of Night Nurse-like character? Oh, she's fine. It's Rosario Dawson. I, I thought they were going to okay. do more with her. I was kind of surprised that she was not in it as much as... I was as... surprised I didn't have any problem with her. That's yeah, true. <laughs> Actually, that's a very good point. Because, yeah, like, she was like, eh. It was like the first time she showed up, I was like, oh, Rosario Dawson. Yeah. And then I didn't not like her. Yeah. So, so. I haven't forgiven her for her part in Rent. Yeah. Oh. Well, there is that. Oh. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What else is there about this show? Um. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It was good. I mean, I, overall, I can tell I really enjoyed it. I'm very excited for what I do with, uh, AKA Jessica Jones, especially because David Tennant is playing the Purple Man, who is an interesting character no matter what, but especially played by David Tennant. With purple, sir, uh, purple shoes and purple pants and purple jacket and purple face. Nope. Well, in the comics, yeah. Yeah. Because they've already shown a couple of set shots, unless they're doing it in post. No, he's no. just a regular it's, guy very, likes very, to wear purple. They're going very realistic with these. Of course, not got a purple face. But I'm interested to see how the superpower works out. I'm also interested to see how they deal with um, Jessica Jones' uh, interesting relationship with Luke Cage. Because in the comics, they have a... <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I mean, scene. A- Alias was a good read. Oh my god! But it was, was definitely great. a Marvel Max title. Oh my god! Okay, for those of you who don't know, uh, basically Luke Cage was you know Power Man for since the seventies. He's been around forever. Uh, Jessica Jones comes in, brand new character that Bendis created, and it's a Marvel Max, so it's an adult sort of thing. It's sort of out of continuity, but not really, and definitely not now. And like. You find out that basically Luke likes it uh, up the ass, or likes to fuck uh, girls up the ass, and so there's a panel of him basically, you know, fucking Jessica, and, and that's that's the first time you realize they're even a thing. 
is that. And it's become quite a storied relationship and a big getting... part of continuity. I have a kid. They got all this stuff together. Yeah. But, uh, it was interesting in the uh, comics. So I'm wondering if they, if they have that in there at all. Um, apparently but... his power sperm makes it through her anus <laughs> into her vagina. Well, wait, babies aren't made like that. <laughs> I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> Well, I could have told you that. No, thing. Hi, mom. My only issue, and I don't even think it really was an issue. I think they just went back to the well too many times with it. Was I know you have to use flashbacks, but you don't mm-hmm. always have to tell the story in two ways. You don't have to memento the shit at all times. And it felt like there were too many episodes where it was like, scene thirty six hours earlier. This back to what we're at. You know, the beginning of the show. Back, like it just seemed like it went through. There were, were too many, when you, when you can binge watch an entire series in one sitting, two sittings, whatever, when you have that happen even two or three times, it feels like it's gone to the well too much. If you have even 13 episodes split over 13 or more weeks on television and you do it a couple of times, you've got the time to break it up and you're not watching it back to back. You don't notice it as much. So I think it was a little bit of a detriment to, to the storytelling here. It didn't need to necessarily be done that way or do less of it in one episode than, you know, than they did for this. Or if it, if you do it, do it for a purpose. Do it for yeah. an ultimate payoff of this is why we were showing this to you leading up to this. Instead, it was just like beginning of the episode, Daredevil's fighting a ninja. Let's show you how he ended up fighting a ninja. Like, well, what relevance did that have? I, to show I don't, how he ended up there. I don't know. I, I do. I was thinking of Bendis's uh, advice about, and actually Bendis doesn't come up with this. Somebody else came up with this. But Bendis quotes that he's like, always leave, get into a scene late and leave a scene early. Right. And there were many, many times where I'm like, oh my God, that is exactly what they're doing here. And I mean, I, I like it actually. I think it's okay. I'm not, I'm not opposed to the sort of, in in media ray or whatever in the middle of the action so like the ninja thing i was like okay whatever that's fine it it felt a little disjointed but it didn't bother me as much um it would have been uh, fine if that was like if there was the start of the episode was mid-fight with a ninja and then that whole scene finalized and then we continued on with the story that's one thing but when you've got you're in the middle of the fight with a ninja and then you have another flash and then then you're okay 36 hours earlier and then it's this and then all right, now we're back to the beginning part of the fight with the ninja. I don't give a shit about what happened before the fight with the ninja. Yeah. Get me to where it was, and then I already know Daredevil's getting his ass kicked by the ninja. Just, you don't need to constantly go back and forth. Give, give me where we're at now, and then flashback and play me everything up to that point, but don't jump back and forth with it. That, I mean, that was my issue. It's like how I met your mother sometimes. It does these very interesting, like, jumps around and, for playful reasons, certainly. But again, that was a sitcom that played out over the course of... No, but I mean, when one episode, whatever, they'll do like months. the jumps around. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is it doesn't... If, he, if that was one episode, there were multiple episodes where they constantly went back and forth in time. Yeah. In a 13-hour block, when this you is, can watch that in a, all in a row, mm-hmm. and I watched in two blocks, six and a half hours, when I see it multiple times... It really, it, I sit there and go, could you not think of any other way to present I, this material? I think part of it's thematic. They were showing parallel stories. And so, and I don't remember exactly, but I think one of them was the stick relationship. That was like a parallel story. This is, I, this is where I referenced earlier how some people don't know how to write in a binge watch format. Well, and no, that's, 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 I agree it, with you there. It plays a factor, but I guess at the end of the day, when you're writing for television or Netflix now, do you know if it'll be binge watched or not? Right. 
That's but certain shows like when they're green lighting for Netflix, you know you're green lit for Netflix. Certain ones get picked up after the fact on yeah. for Netflix distribution. Right. But these guys like House of Cards and for these new Marvel shows, Orange is the New Black and all that. They yeah. were going in under the pretense. I don't know if Orange is the New Black was specifically made under yeah. Netflix. Well, yeah. definitely season two. Right. No, the whole thing was it's been like, uh, it's been pre-written. Anything was Netflix. Yeah. Well, yeah, because a lot of times they'll do like the pilot, they'll shop it around, and then they'll say, "Okay, Netflix wants it," and then they'll do the whole season. But right. then you know. But you're right. It's 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 early days for this kind of a binge watch mentality to to plan for that. I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. But what you're talking about is stuff like um, Arrested Development. Their season four, when it finally, after how many years off the air, Netflix brings it back. They've even admitted the, to the fact that. They didn't do it right, or they right. didn't do it well for the um, for the the environment that it's now in. You can't go into it writing a show that you figure people are going to watch once a week. Right. When you drop thirteen episodes, no matter what it is, if it's being produced for Netflix and you're dropping thirteen episodes at one shot, I don't care if it's meant to be binge watched. People are going to binge watch it, and that's what that's what they need to to look at. And and I mean overall, I don't think it was a bad job storytelling. You had said it's a long origin story. I didn't even feel like it was an origin story. I felt like we got dropped in without the origin story. Aside from Matt Murdock's the the opening sequence where we you know the the accident, he's blinded, that whole thing. Then it just kind of is Daredevil, and it's just there, and he's fighting. But it's as much of a Daredevil show as the Arrow was season one. He's not called Green Arrow from episode one. No, 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 and that's fine. But this is leading to, and that was the cliched thing of, oh, I wonder what they're going to call him. Oh, Daredevil. Oh, I kind of. That yeah. by the end of the episode yeah, of thirteen. Yeah. Well, well, he had already been fighting crime for a little while, at least right, when the show started. He wasn't right. Daredevil. But with Arrow, the first episode was him coming back from the island and then starting. But even then, he wasn't referred to as the Arrow. He wasn't no, even. But I'm, that's what Eric is saying is what I'm was is what I mean by it. It's not necessarily the name. It's it's what he's doing. Yeah, it's him as this character. So. It, but I don't think so. I think I disagree in that he's not the character that he's going to be, or he's the one you've come to know in the comic books until the end of it. No, no, no. I, okay. So I agree with both of you on that point. Okay. This is I this isn't where, a diplomatic I diffusal where, of a situation. I get where you're coming from where when he's saying an origin as to becoming Daredevil and having the outfit, having the name and all of this stuff. But with Eric's point is what... I kind of was alluding to with it not for me it didn't feel like an origin story because there's this giant gap and we get those some of those gaps filled in over the course of the 13 episodes when Stick comes back and we see some of the we we that's probably the most and the closest to the origin part of it for me like if you think of any of the 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 Spider-Man movies you think of um Captain America you think of any of those standalone movies when they tell an origin story you see all of this stuff you see what happens, what creates this in and a linear fashion. Exactly. Yeah. Where, Except for the Hulk movie. Oh, uh, the I don't remember the Ed Norton one. They didn't. Oh, well, they Ed squeezed. Yeah, they yeah. squeezed it all into the opening sequence. Well, because that wasn't the first Hulk movie, or was it? Well, because they didn't reference the Universal <laughs> one, yeah. and it was played out in a different way. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but still, at least it was in it was in a sequence, and then it continued on. There was a big gap. It went from like the the opening sequence of him as a child. And then it went into, okay, he's wearing this ridiculous black outfit and doing crazy flips and fighting bad guys. 
and that it took a little bit, but I still don't even think that there was a ton of origin telling in it. Which, I mean, for them is a complete departure from what Marvel normally does with their characters. To me, this was Daredevil year one. Yeah. It's very much the line with Batman year one that also Frank Miller and Mazzuccelli. Basically, it's, it's, it's not Batman. It's not Daredevil. It's proto Batman. But it's not early days. How did he get here? It's this, he's just figuring it out. So it's, it's year one. It's like the two weeks before he actually gets his name. So he's been doing this for a bit. But we're just going to scoot you up till yeah. just before we can call him yeah, Daredevil. Do we need to show him going online and ordering his first black shirt? <laughs> well, they had yes. enough time. I want to know the website. <laughs> Apparently. Sometimes, uh, they do that. Um, what? Uh, well, Spider, you, they never showed you Spider-Man making an outfit. Yeah, they I did. Thought one, one of the movies oh, they did. Yeah, they did. They started yeah. sketching oh. it anyway. It was, it was, All right. not, was that the amazing uh, ones? Because I never saw No, those. that was the P- uh, Tobey oh, Maguire shit. ones. Oh, of course it was it, Tobey. It's been, it's been how many years since that movie? Tobey. Toby. Anyway, um, was there anything we just absolutely did not like at all, at all? Um, just before we nom, 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 nom. round the corners here, I will say I do think Daredevil could have been more sympathetic. Charlie Cox, I go back to I think the beginning of this whole conversation. He could have been a little bit more sympathetic, but that's also the writer. That's not just the actor. I mean, there's. Like I said, they they, choice they made Kingpin more sympathetic than Daredevil. Uh, yeah. I, I think the reason they did that, though, is with their movies, there haven't really been memorable villains apart from Loki. Yeah, Loki is the exception, definitely. So, and that's a complaint that people have brought like across the board. Of course. That their villains aren't as strong as their heroes. Yeah. So I think in this, they wanted to make a stronger villain. And they totally did. Totally did. And I'm so, I was so, I was like, please don't kill him. Please. I mean, I, that obviously would have more implications, but I want Wilson Fisk to exist in this universe. I want Loki to exist in this universe. Marvel, a good Marvel universe has really, like you said, strong, well-drawn villains, not just heroes. Unlike DC, I think DC sometimes suffers because their villains are a little one note, but Marvel has consistently had good, strong, a villain that believes that they are not a villain is a very strong character and a very strong villain. Well, that's, and I think that also, that's a big thing for this series where it's the more street level. You need to have a greater balance, um, even strength wise as in physical strength because you've got Kingpin who kicks the shit out of him almost every time. And then you've got Daredevil who is constantly being sewed up by, uh, Rosario Dawson, whatever her name is. Yeah, whatever her name is. Night Nurse. That lady. That lady. Um, I'll just call her Carla Espinosa. But you you don't have as much time with Matt in the same respects as you do with Fisk, which is, I think, which is what leads you to be a little more sympathetic to him. If, um, If they had done, if they had given him more material, Charlie Cox, to work with, in that same kind of capacity, maybe we would have a little bit more sympathy for Daredevil. But, I mean, aside from, there really wasn't anything to be sympathetic about. I mean, the early stuff with his father, you're very sympathetic, of course. And you're naturally going to sympathize with the hero. Am I heartless? Because I didn't. But his, <laughs> Instead of my heartless? Because I didn't really, no, I didn't really how, sympathize. Well, no, because it's almost you relate to Foggy once Foggy finds out. And he's like, you've had this power the whole time, so you're not really blind. Yeah. So all those times you've so, just been lying and kind well, of letting ex- me 
get one over on you or you just kind of knew what was you knew when I was was lying to you. And even worse than that, I feel like their approaches to physical violence. Fisk many times said, "I don't enjoy being cruel. I do it for a reason." Daredevil slash Matt Murdock never really said that. He just kind of beat the shit out of everybody. Well, he keeps actually toying with that throughout the show of, well, what if I do like it? Right. You know? He does say it. Right. He says it. And, um, Rosario Dawson calls him out on it because it, when he's got the guy up on the roof and he's like, um, I do this because I like to do it. And then he's like, well, I, I didn't mean that. It's like, what if you did? Right. And that's really what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, doesn't he ask the... The priest. The priest. The priest yeah. He's like, I have this devil in me. And well, and Daredevil in the comics is a character that's more complicated than a lot of villain or uh, heroes. He does have a very dark element. But you know, again, when your villain is more sympathetic and more potentially reg- regretful or whatever, remorseful than your hero, that can create a weird situation, and that's what you have. But also, this wasn't just the origin of Daredevil. It was also the origin of the Kingpin. Yeah. Oh, oh, we had, oh, very much so. so very much. It's almost a- like beat for beat. And that's what they said before the show started was they were trying to show that these men are essentially the same. Oh, they're But oof. they just kind of take same. different paths. One likes squalor and the other likes shiny new buildings, basically. Can you blame them? I, I was very, I'm not like saying I'm Mr. Gentrification. And at times, like DC, the DuPont area, the gentrification there is awful. It is awful. For a second, I thought you meant DC Comics. Sorry, no. Washington. <laughs> well, I should be clear. Washington DC. If you ever go to the Dupont Circle area and you look around and you see the friggin' Starbucks and the uh, Johnny Rockets, you're like, this is not what it used to be, and it's a bad thing. But other times, you know, there are areas like take the Orlando City Soccer Stadium area. That ain't there yet. Well, they're trying to make that whole corridor a little less dangerous and you can't blame people who want to make it better you can blame them if they want to make money and they want to tear homes away from people who've had them and they want to you know pull one over on people but you know the end goal is a nicer safer city and that's something it's hard to argue against yeah but the funny part is and this was something that glenn weldon brought up on pop culture happy hour Hell's Kitchen isn't the same Hell's Kitchen oh, that no. it was yeah Hell's Kitchen in these comics and back in the day with Daredevil were seedy and they were crime ridden. They were, you know, all of these things. It's so already, now, the gentrification's already happened. Oh, I know. Oh, it's done. Giuliani yeah. won. He did yeah. it. Uh, Giuliani and, uh, what's the other rich guy? Bloomberg. Yeah. Between the two of them, that ship, that ship sailed. But that's what he's like, you know, Glenn was like, yes, here's Daredevil protecting the four Chase banks on this one block. You know, it's, it happens. That's what yeah. it, so you have this, this backdrop of, um, you know, the Freedom Tower. So this isn't, like using old footage of New York. This is brand new New York. Wait, is Rock Bar in Hell's Kitchen? I don't know no. quite where Hell's Kitchen is. No, no, no. Um, we no. were up in New York for for New York Comic Con, and I don't know if we ever went. Th- I don't think we went there. No, no, no. okay. Um, but near the Freedom Tower, well, the, financial district or whatever. Yeah, it's it's not too far. I mean, the shots with the Freedom Tower were across. Okay, you know, the, it wasn't right in front of it. It was oh, okay. it, it was in the background, but. You've got all these shots of current New York, but that's not current New York. You know, this has already happened. It's already cleaned up. It's already, you know, this whole different thing. So it's really just kind of, it's jarring when you know the area. So if somebody like, you know, for somebody who lives in the Midwest who's watching the show who doesn't know New York, okay, fine. You you tell me it's dark and gritty and and grimy. I'm going to believe it. 
for people that know New York or, or are up in that area, it's kind of like, wait, wait, what's going on here? It's like somebody made the joke about that during the second Spider-Man movie, the Tobey Maguire one. Like, so apparently Sam Raimi must just think that New York is just one big building fire and bank robbery in progress. Because <laughs> that is literally all that ever happens in New York City. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did make clear this was after the Avengers Battle of New York. In fact, Ben Urich had that moment where he pulled the frame out and he's got a picture. And this is the in the Avengers movie, the first one. They destroy a lot of Midtown. So, like, they're they're playing with New York as a thing, but it's a Marvel New York, not a real New York. Well, and that was the other thing is it's the gentrification, but it's also the construction option to rebuild yeah, New York because yeah. of the whole events of Avengers. And, and let's be honest. Wilson Fisk has impeccable taste. Or or Wesley. Whoever it is. The dress the man? I was seriously like, I want a California-style closet. I want a freaking kimono. I would love to have a penthouse like that. I want to cook myself an omelet every morning and Holy eat by myself crap. in front of my giant penthouse oh, window. Oh, my God. That that scene repeated over and over. I so fucking had flashbacks to Hannibal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. Just, oh, yeah. There's, there's, a, there's an influence there. See, that's what I said. I'm like, Hannibal is in a beautifully shot show. You know people are watching it and going, oh, we should do that. I did. I was appreciative of the fact that they didn't just recycle that, that footage. That right. was different every oh, time. Yeah, yeah. Because when he would drop, um, what is it? Chives. The chives on the, yeah. the omelet. It always fall differently. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I at least, I at least applaud you. For not pulling like 90s Sailor Moon where it was like there's like eight different <laughs> animation sequences and we're just always going to use this no matter yeah. what's going on. Yeah, no, that was I that that episode probably stood out for me. It's just one of those that just really made it for Again, me. Again, it's all the Wilson Fisk stuff. Well, they wrote him better in this in this run. They wrote him certainly more sympathetic than any other incarnation. Although the I fanboy guys are saying that Jason Aaron's take on a uh, Fisk maybe the for Punisher the, Max was was tied into that. They show so. a lot of his backstory. A lot of, but in that one, he was much more of a downtrodden, just thug. Yeah. He was already married and had a kid, had oh, a couple okay. of kids, and he was just trying to kind of make his way and get, become, you know, powerful, but coming from nothing. Yeah. This one, it was like, he's already pretty much set. He just is lonely. Yeah. Well, yeah. it'll be interesting to see if the reason that they did that, or part of the reason why they did that, is because he'll play a larger part connecting these four shows i hope he does yeah. i really hope he does because if he's got a larger part to play in what brings them all together then of course that was the smarter move was to pay more attention to fisk and kind of his development of the whole thing right. you know if you've got somebody like you're not going to have as much development with foggy or karen because they're contained to their show and potentially defenders but if you've got somebody like gal and you've got somebody like fisk who are going to have an overarching effect on this entire series of shows, you're going to want to give more attention to that because yeah. you're going to need to know more about them going into, okay, well, why would they want to have an effect on what's going on with this or, right. or that? I agree. Yes. My, I would say my favorite, my favorite scene was when they, um, they were down by the water and there was a little duck that just kept on oh. <laughs> just swim through and he would just look at the camera. It was ridiculous. And I'm like, the camera, there he back, is. Just, look at the camera. I, the fucking duck is showboating the whole scene. <laughs> I'm like, this one little white duck just right there, right at, just from, from the neck up, just, just floating. You, look at the camera. You almost think the director of the shot, the guy who's doing the shot, you're like, okay, this is your little joke, isn't it? This is your little thing, huh? Somebody has wait, to have been wait like, the duck. They watched sorry, the, hold on. Get some bread, quick. Over here. Come on, duck. All right, here we go. Or you look at the dailies after the, the shooting's done, you're like, fuck it. 
Good enough. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Somebody sat there and was like, we, we should reshoot this. And somebody else was like, fuck no. This is a great talk of the shot. <laughs> we'll call him Howard. <laughs> It'll be an Easter egg. Oh, oh, speaking of Easter eggs, I didn't catch it, um, but I read about it afterwards. Oh, yeah. So the name Morales got brought up during the show. Because mm. it's it, not an uncommon name. No, but <laughs> Moral, uh, Miles Morales' yeah. parents worked at the same law firm. And for the fact that they bring up, they, they tie to the law firm, they tie in the last name. You know Marvel. Marvel doesn't just pull names out of their ass and yeah. say, all right, well, this is going to be, you know, this I mean, is Dr. Gray. Unless they've done a swerve, they've already mentioned the short list of potential Spider-Man actors, and there's not a black no, kid. No, no, it's it's going to be Peter Parker. Yeah, they've already announced it's, it's going to be yeah. teenage But Parker. to have a Miles show up in something isn't also unheard of, because mm-hmm. they're going to bring him in a 616 eventually anyway. Well, and the thing is, Miles only becomes Spider-Man because of Peter Parker. Right. So it makes sense if you want to go that route with it to bring Peter Parker in and then lead to Miles Morales. It's a long game. It's a long game because, yeah, it's a they're going to cast the young Because Marvel doesn't play a long game. Because well, Marvel didn't announce 10 years worth of movies. That's and plus, the whole thing is Tony Stark. Well, uh, what's his name? Robert Downer Jr. You age all out. All of them, they're aging out. You want to replace yeah. them with new with, characters. With young well, and their contracts are going. Yeah. Like, it's, it becomes a thing where, even if, I mean, because you have Hugh Jackman, who love him and, you know, in the role of Wolverine, a character I could really care less about, to be honest. But he's getting to the point where you're getting a little old there, buddy. I mean, I mean you can only put so much anti-aging cream on and sing show tunes. Well, yeah, a lot and of the X-Men actors have said Apocalypse is going to be their last yeah, from film. the uh, from the first class group, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I am interested that Charlie Cox has signed. Um, his deal is not just TV, but also movies. And there's a lot of speculation he's going to be in Civil War or Captain America Three: Civil War, and possibly the Infinity War stuff. Yeah. So and that makes sense, you know. Bring the two universes well, also, together. If I mean, yes, Defenders is slated to be a TV show, but they could do a movie if they chose. Sure. Well, and but this, that's because Marvel does does it properly and actually uses those same God, people. This is unprecedented. Like, I see what they do with Flash and how they're trying to build out the Arrow, Flash, whatever the hell the next thing is. But, like, to see Marvel actually executing this movie, TV, Netflix model successful, it, it is really impressive. It is something that I think Marvel excels at way over what DC has ever tried to do. And it, it definitely makes me happy. Yeah. I would agree. Do you think there could be any sort of crossover into like Agents of Shield? Or- Why not? Well, they already were. They were going all crazy about Creel and how. Oh, look, it's a Agents yeah. of Shield. No, it's not really a crossover. But it's not outside the realm of possibility that he'll show up or that something would cross over. I mean, they've done that, and so. they're still continuing to cross over into the movies. This week, we get the. Uh, they start the Age of Ultron. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bleed overs into Age. Uh, I mean, Agents of Shield. They mentioned Strucker at least. Five times in the last episode, you know yeah. he's a factor in the movies. So. They have a picture. They had a picture of him too. Oh, they had a picture. Oh, and I mean, yeah. and everything in Agents of Shield is in humans. So mm-hmm. eventually, that all pay off. They've only got another what five years to to play that up for yeah. us. <laughs> can, can I just point something out? I thought was really funny. I meant to post this and I haven't. Did anybody else find it funny that during the episode that we just saw, that same week that it aired, it was Bring Your Daughter to Work Day. And what did Cal do? He brought his daughter to his place of employment. Nobody caught that. I didn't. Catch I that. thought oh. that was very well timed. 
I, I'm wow. sorry. I, I used to believe in coincidences. I think that's deliberate. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> the Listen. only the only non like Marvel plant Easter egg. Brian found it. I'm just saying because we had to bring your daughter to work day or son or daughter. I need you. I, I need you to tweet that to Marvel. And I see need if they to. Respond. I've been meaning to that in my Ben de la Creme Cosmos thing. I need to. If you could tweet this. it with a picture that shows like a giant spider web of yarn pointing to this episode, <laughs> and this episode, and then your ultimate thing is. Bring your daughter to work day was on the same day that it aired. I could can possibly slow that. clap, Marvel. <laughs> slow clap. Best planned Easter egg ever. Oh man. Yeah. Oh well. It was good. So yeah. Overall. Daredevil. Daredevil. Uh three and a half out of five. I'll give it a four. I'll give it a solid four. Yeah, I'm four for me. Four flames. Four flamies. Are we doing that? The thing, sure. Wow. Why not? Why not? You know, the next recording will be a well. One of the next recordings will be a review of Avengers: uh, Age of Ultron. We should we should institute a a Flamies scale. Can we copyright that before somebody takes it? <sighs> Flamies, too much? flames. I feel like side of my face heaving, heating, heaving. It's not yeah. a, not a not a good podcast until you reference Clue. <laughs> Oh, we are not onesie and Doug. This is not the Phillips file. We will not give the these wheel. movies well, we're not gonna pink, pink triangles. triangles. Yeah, we're not doing pink triangles. Pink flames? No. I don't know. I give it a three and a quarter. Oh. Eric, what'd you give it? Four. four. Okay, good. Four. All right, good. As long as we have at least you know validation in my opinion. So, I, ultimate I average, it's just above about 3.5 or it's, three. It's, it's, a passing, it's a passing grade. Yeah. That's all we need to care about. It was a good show. Again, I just feel like everything up to now... For never, for never really reading anything else, I actually give a shit about wanting to see these next movies that are coming out and want to see what they're going to do. This show just didn't really, it didn't hook me. It was a good show. And you I mean, still gave it a 3.25 out of that? Yeah. yeah three, so three, generous. Two, five, three and a half. No, because I'm not going to say it's a bad show. I'm not going to tell people that if they, if they were, want to watch all this. He likes two broke girls. Oh, wow. I, Question okay. all of your Are we judgment talking a, now. A baseline here. Listen, listen. <laughs> and they, they do have bears in it and drag queens. I'm, Didn't that one chick, one the theater worker, wasn't that um, Shangela? Yeah, but Shangela was a, was a boy in that well, show. Well, but I'm just saying, like you know, they employ bears and drag queens. You gotta love that. At least. Well, do you? Well, a little, a little bit, a little bit, a little credit. I I will somewhat defend this in in <laughs> my critique. Okay, so you wanna you wanna have a dark and gritty show, lots of blood, people skewering themselves through the eye with a a random jagged post. You're gonna have Kingpin break somebody's head off. Where did the head go? By the way, did it roll it in the car? It got, it it got squished. Crushed. But where the fuck did the rest of it go? They washed it out with a hose. I did the foley work on that scene alone was remarkable. I, I just don't know what they did. A lot I of cantaloupe. A lot of cantaloupe oh. crushing. Oh, just, and then. <laughs> My favorite was just Wesley getting out of the car and like, and I'm just going to step over here. And here's my, uh, my little hand, uh, what is you it? Got some, you got some schmutz on your face. Hand, my pocket you got, square, here you go. You got a little borscht down your face <laughs> to get it off there. <laughs> so you have all of this and you're going to use the word shit. Once an episode though, just once. Okay. I noticed that. I was really? counting. They would dust off one curse word an episode. But it's like, that was like not, well, I mean, they, they use dick, which I won't even count. Right, but as, once but, an episode, they get a little naughty word. I, th- I think it was at least more than Mm-mm. one or a couple. That was of their budget. Really. They stuck well, right. to their budget. They're okay. rating, but you want to you want to have shit involved in there. But you're gonna literally have somebody turn around and go, "Mother fudger." Yeah, really. That was fun. Because really, they, they, they were PG thirteen. They weren't hard R. Who said mother fudger? Cursing. The one of the cops did. 
Oh really? Yeah. That's that was why I found it yes. funny about the curse words because they were threading a line to be like, okay, well we can't go too far. We can show violence, but we can't go. It's the what? South Park bigger, longer, uncut theory of you can do a whole bunch of bad, or, uh, violent uh, things, but you can't say a lot of naughty words. Right. Exactly. Or sex. Or sex. Yeah. Well, right. they're, they showed a side boob, and that's about it. Side boob mm-hmm. and interior, like. But in, no inner, tatas. Inner side boob. But no tatas. Yeah. It, well, it's like they magically airbrushed out her nipples. Because so I swear to God, tatas. when they when they yeah. <laughs> when they showed her from the front, who it was this? boob. Was it uh, Karen? Yeah. yeah Deborah when he brings her back to the to his house. Oh. Takes like a shower. Put, takes off a shirt. Oh. She goes to put his shirt on, mm. and they show side boob, and then they show from the front. And I swear, like they just digitally removed her. Surprised her Rosario Dawson nipple. didn't get naked. She usually does that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm just glad she wasn't 12 pounds. Because she actually looked like a full she figured wasn't, woman. Yeah, she looked, Danny Boyle's been making her eat. Getting a little older. Danny Boyle. What is she doing? Dan- They're what together. They've been oh, together for a long time. I had no idea. Yeah. Oh. But, well, apparently the show is supposed to be an NC-16. Yeah. So you're not going all the way to, to that level, but... What? That's... It was their it was their joke about being... It's, it's, it's an... not even a hard R. No. Other than the violence. I mean, the violence, certainly, but... Yeah. Was Ugh. there smoking? Smoking automatically brings you to a smoking in Constantine eventually, and it still didn't get out. It's still no, on TV. but as Jeff said, he's not actually smoking. Well, yeah, that was always the creative thing. It was just after know. smoking, it was really or it was just close. before smoking. It was really close, or which, he was just savoring an unlit cigarette. Which we should say, by the way, for those of you who are fans of Constantine, you have one more chance. NBC is giving you one more chance to save the show. Which is they're putting them all online or something, which they've been on uh, Hulu, mm-hmm. but they're putting them up at NBC.com. So if you want to go up and watch that. And then maybe they'll bring it back or something. I hope I they do. Know. I liked it. I, I really liked it by the end. Only this podcast can start off talking about one show and now have mentioned like 16 other I'm shows. I'm just throwing that out there. Hey, that's what we have editing for. Exactly. So don't edit this out. We want them to <laughs> save Constantine. We also want you to go listen to our interview with Trixie, uh, which, by the way, is the most listened to episode of this show ever, including all the episodes that have gone way back. We interviewed Trixie Mattel for Dragon's New Spandex uh, a couple weeks ago. Right before, spoilers, she came back uh, for RuPaul Drag Race and is now back in the running. And it is a very popular, well-received episode. Not only was it a lot of fun, Trixie's amazing. We love her. But it's very well-received. Just saying. With her fantastic friend Richard. Hi, Richard. Yeah, Richard's awesome, by the way. We hung out with him. And, I'll, and since we're just plugging random stuff, uh, you know, we are on the cover of Watermark, at least. Uh, we were. We were. On the cover of Watermark. It's, it's, it's been probably past, yeah. Oh, it has. I've seen the new. new ah, stand. damn it. <laughs> well, if okay. you want a copy of it, I got a couple. You can still leave it on your Facebook as your profile pic. Okay, good, good, good. Spread the word. Okay, it's good. also our cover photo on the Flame on Facebook page. It is. And you're in the article, by the way. You're referenced. I read the article. I didn't see. Oh, it, I did not see. Picture. You're, you're, like, you're in the caption for the Not pictured. Oh, nice. Nice. Jeff Bittered and Eric Bunzone. Yeah, that's true. Not pictured. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's all I got. So make sure that you check out facebook.com forward slash flame on show twitter at flame on podcast soundcloud.com forward slash flame on show we on instagram tumblr we're on we, tumblr with tumblr uh, is flame on show dot tumblr dot com we now have an instagram boom we do yes oh these are things that I work on on the side I without didn't know about telling this. brian i mean i have an instagram i didn't know <laughs> i was just throwing one out there I was like, instagram? instagram are you an imager do we have a Yelp account? <laughs> we could. We could get you a Yelp account. You should do that. You I mean, I'm Yelp, Yelp elite, so I can we do a lot. We should do a foodie episode just to piss off even more people. <laughs> sure. 
I do uh, Instagram.com forward slash flame on show is our new Instagram account. What? We need to, we need to corner all these markets. Gotta proliferate. And I realized yesterday we do not have an Instagram account. So we now have an Instagram account. Are you on iTunes? Wait, do we have Google we Plus? Are. We're on Google we Plus. We are on Google Plus. Does anybody use Google Plus? I do. Hello. <laughs> I still use it. I maintain that stuff. No, what we really would love though is if any interactions you would like to share with us, we always appreciate it. We met a fan of ours in Texas. We've met a fan of ours in DC. We, we find them randomly throughout the world when we travel. Those two fans. We love you. Should, you uh, you should hit us up. And those 500 some odd of you who have listened to the Trixie episode. It's almost 600. You should let us know what you think. Good or bad. And if you, if you go to SoundCloud, you, uh, Brian did a great job. He needs to go back up and update it some more. Um, but you can actually, if you like certain aspects of the show, if you like the interviews that we do, there is a set playlist for that. If you like the Dragons and New Spandex stuff, um, you can just go to that section and listen through in whatever order that you would like to, or you can just kind of rummage through and find ones that you like. They're a little out of order because we were doing some editing to it. So yeah, it's a that. little kind of a wonky. We have an RSS feed, stuff like that. All those things. Flame on show. If you just find it. You'll you'll find us. It's great. We're out there. Or Flame on podcast. Oh well, that one. Then that <laughs> one, one or on case. Twitter, when Flame on podcast. Or we'll do stuff. <laughs> and uh, that's it, I think. Yeah. So uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. And uh, flame off. Thanks for listening to Flame On, a podcast made possible by Powder Milk Biscuits, the ones in the blue box, a comic shop and the generous support of tops and bottoms like you. If you want to be one of our sugar daddies, you can help out by telling a cute single friend about us, reviewing us on iTunes, or putting some dollars down our digital G-string in our monthly support drive. For more ridiculously entertaining and socially enlightening episodes of Flame On, as well as other fine programs, head on over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to Flame On and all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via iTunes. And be sure to find us on Twitter at Flame On Podcast or Facebook on our Flame On fan page. And make sure to check out flameonshow.com for more nerdy queer in your ear. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 